the Alter Rebbe was once asked, in Shemun Esrei we say, V'nafshi ka'afar lakoyol tiya. And my soul should be like dust in front of everyone. And they asked him, what does that mean? Is it really possible for a person to feel humble and less important than anyone and everyone else? Let's say you have a guy who does Averis in public and, and everyone knows about it. I should feel more humble than him or less than him? So the Alter Rebbe said, my Binyamin Ke, meaning Binyamin Kletzker, is on that level. So they went up to Rebbe Binyamin Kletzker and they said, they said, Rebbe Binyamin, how is it possible for someone on your level, we're talking about one of the greatest of the Chassidim, how is it possible for someone on your level to feel humble and less worthy than each and every Yid? Take, for example, the Yid we noticed this past Tisha B'Av. He was walking down the main street, eating a loaf of bread in public. It's one thing if you do it in private, you're embarrassed about it. The guy totally couldn't care less. He had no shame about what he was doing. He didn't even hide it. He was like making fun of everyone for fasting. How can you look at him and say, I'm less than him? So Rabbi Yaman answered, yeah, it's true that he did exactly what you said. However, is it possible that maybe he was never taught about the halachas and the minhagim of Tishabov and how severe it is to eat on Tishabov? Or is it possible maybe he had an illness and the doctor instructed him to eat even on that day? So there are possibilities such as these that show that maybe what he did was permissible. Or at least it wasn't intention, intentional. It could be he didn't know. But we were taught by the Rebbe about the greatness of Hashem and that His glory fills the whole world. So when we sin, even if we only sinned in our minds, even if we didn't actually do anything, can we say it was permissible or that we did it not knowing? Of course not. We have to be held on a higher standard. So yeah, you do have to feel more humble than that guy doing Avedis over there. Uh, we already said a bunch of times that Binyamin Kletzker was a very big businessman and he would go to the fairs a lot. Most of the fairs, we, we, we usually mention this town called Leipzig, Germany. So, uh, since there were many Hasidic people there, they decided they're going to make their own minyanim for the duration of the fair, whatever it was, uh, two weeks, a week and a half. So there was a certain German Jew. He was interested to understand why the merchants made their own minyanim. Why didn't they dive with everyone else in, in the main shuls in the community? So he decided, he, there was a whole bunch of shuls set up. It wasn't just like the Chabad shul. It was this chassidus, that chassidus, this group, that group. So he said, he's gonna, I'm going to go from shul, these little makeup shuls, right? That little shuls that they just made just for the fair. And I'm going to check it out for myself. And he noticed immediately that the nusach that the Hasidim used were different from the Ashkenaz one. Right? It's very easy to notice because, let's say, in Ashkenaz you say, Baruch Amar before Haidu. Right? And right away, the first thing he sees is they say Haidu first. So obviously, okay, it makes sense that they should have their own minion because they're totally a different nusach. But why couldn't all the Hasidim make one big minion instead of a whole bunch of smaller ones? That was his next question. And so he starts going from one minion to the next and he noticed there's little differences, some big differences between them. Um, 
this story said by the Fidik Rebbe, it doesn't say what the differences were. So yeah, it's appropriate for each group to make their own individual minion, to follow their special minhagim, whatever they have. And then he comes to the Chabad minion, and the sweetness of the davening made an extremely favorable impression on him. But there was one point, that he, the whole davening, that really bothered him. The shul looked exactly like every other shul. They had an Aaron Kaidesh, they had a, they had a Bima, they had an Amud for the Chazin, all in the right places. But all of the shuls that he was familiar with had five words put in front of the Chazin. Da lifnei mi ata oimed. Know in front of who you are standing. You're standing and davening. Know, know that you're davening to Hashem. Don't forget that. However, this was the first and only shul, the Chabad shul. They didn't have it. And he understood that there's no way it just happens to be missing. They obviously didn't put it there on purpose. And for this guy, that's not just disrespectful. That's just wrong. Now, since all the people who davened there were strangers who came to the fair, he didn't know anybody. He didn't know who to ask. So he goes up to one guy at random. And the person that he turned to to uh, start saying how upset he is was none other than Reb Yom and Klesker. And he says, this is uh, proper and, and it's done in every community. It has so much meaning to it. But like, why don't you put it up? By showing that you don't keep to this and you, it's like you don't keep to this message. That, that's just wrong. It's like anti-Fromkeit. So Rebbe Yamin listens to him, you know, and he listens to the whole thing. Then he asks him, do you know what those words mean? And the guy says, of course I know. Everyone knows that it's a reminder to the Shliach Tzibar as well as the entire congregation to be humble. You're standing in front of Hashem, the Creator Himself. And therefore I can't understand how it could be missing from a shul. Every shul has it. So Rebbe Yamin says, that, what you said, is the simple translation. However, I would like to explain to you what it really means. The word me, dalifnei mi ato the word me represents a person's understanding. And the statement is telling us that we should realize that we are before a true understanding. We don't yet understand the greatness of Hashem. And knowing that we're missing this understanding of Hashem makes you extremely humble. Now, and, and it makes us feel very low. Is it really necessary to, to also publicize the fact that we're all so low? We should, we're already ashamed about that fact. Why do we have to put it on the wall? That's what he answered. Next story is a very geschmacky story. In the city of Shklov, there lived a chassid named Rebbe Eliezer Moshe, who was a malamid of young children. And he was not known to be a big Tamil Chacham. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to teach little kids, right? I don't mean you little. I mean like, like, like five and six-year-olds. Of course to teach you guys, I have to be a genius. I'm, I'm not just a genius. I'm the great... I'm kidding. Uh, but rather, he was recognized... Everyone knew, listen, he's not a big time of but he had tremendous years, Shemayim, and tremendous success in his teaching, inspiring the young boys. So in the, in the same shul where Eliezer Moshe davened, there was another guy, Rebsadia, 
who also davened there. And although Rabbi Sadia was not a chassid, he refused to get involved in all the machloikis between the misnagdim and the chassidim. And in fact, he even enjoyed schmoozing with them in Torah learning, right, with the chassidish and especially. And quite often he would share something that the Mepharshim say on Torah, and Rabbi Eliezer Moshe would give a chassidish touch of it. So one of their conversations, Rabbi Sadia mentioned to the chassidish and the greatness of a certain leader in the Hasidic community. It doesn't say who it is. And the Rapsadi was speaking about in this gadol, oh, what a great guy he is, and saying all the great things about him. And, and this Hasidic Malamid was like, eh, totally unimpressed. By what? By, by, all these, by all the things he was saying about this great gadol. His greatness in learning, his character, dear Shemaim. And he just, this, this uh, guy, Reb Sadia, keeps going, praising this uh, Misnagdash uh, leader higher and higher and higher. And, and Reb Eliezer Moshe is sitting there going like, eh, I don't care. Yeah, this, this doesn't impress me at all. And Reb Sadia was he, like, how could someone think like this? So he, he quietly said, <clears throat> Um, the, the, um, Rabbi Eliezer Moshe quietly said, Our Arelim, what's an Aurel? Someone who doesn't have a bris is called an Aurel, right? Our Arelim are greater than their Gedolim. Now, literally, that means that our Arelim are. People who don't have a bris, meaning our Goyesha helpers, let's say, are greater than these, this great Tamar Chacham over here. And this Rav Sadia was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. How, how could you say such a thing? And he started telling everyone what Rabbi Eliezer Moshe said, and anyone who heard it was like, whoa, you, that is just way too far for the Chassidim to say such a thing. So, at the time, it didn't create a whole new set of machlagesim, but everyone started talking about it. And, and many of the non-chassidim were just like, how could he say such a thing? And, and it strengthened their doubts about chassidim that they said, could we really trust them? Are they really shame or tayda mitzvahs? How could someone say such a thing? And some ind- individuals were so upset that they even went and mentioned it to the, the Rav of Shlov, who was the av of Shlov, the father of Pinchas Rezis, Rabbi Chanoi Chenech Shik. Right, so he was a misnagid, but his son was uh, one of the greatest Hasidim. So he was hoping that this Rav would uh, maybe demand from Eliezer Moshe that he should apologize. You can't, you can't just make fun of Tamidi Chachamim. However, he also refused. He says, like, I'm not going to let, because one guy said something, because one guy said something, I'm going to make a whole new machle. It's, it's one guy. It's not like the Rav of the Hasidim got up in shul and said this thing and all the Hasidim started clapping or something like that. It was one guy, a simple teacher, who said it. So, all he said was, I don't understand what Rebbe Eliezer Moshe meant. However, the people of the community, they, they were already getting angrier and angrier as time went on. And not only did the parents who were misnagdim or, or they were neutral, let's say, that they didn't care about chassidim or misnagdim, that they took their kids out of Rebbe Eliezer Moshe's class, 
But even the Hasidish parents were a little uncomfortable about what he said. And, and uh, they started to find other malamdim for their kids' teachers, to, to, be, to teach their kids. They said, this is what the Hasidim were saying. How could he say such a thing to, to make so much machlokes? Like, because of what he said, there's going to be a lot of problems for us now. So, in general, in those days, any malamid had an extremely hard time making a living. But now, it got even much worse for him. But he didn't complain. And he didn't apologize either. And whenever members of these two, of the, either the chassidim or misnagdim, would meet, the, the chassid starts off by feeling that he, I have to apologize for what Rabbi Eliezer Moshe said. Right, this is not Hasidus, and this is not what the Rebbe teaches us. It's wrong, to, and, and we're going to distance ourselves from him. So the Chassid Rebbe Yamin Kletzker, who also lived in Shklov at that time, was also approached about it. And he understood that the intent of the question was, they're not interested in hearing an explanation. They wanted to demand from him that he should also distance himself from Rebbe Eliezer Moshe. And Rabbi Yamin realized that even if he explained it to a whole bunch of people, everyone else he didn't explain it to would still have these bad feelings. So he realized he has no choice. He has to do something like Meshuga and crazy to get everyone's attention in the whole town and that everyone should hear the explanation. So he goes to the largest base, Medrash and Shklov, where many of the extremely huge Tamidei Chachamim the Misnagdisha ones, they studied there all day long, and he walks up to the bima, goes, bangs on the bima, gives a clap, and everyone's quiet. Everyone knows, even the Misnagdim knew Rabbi Yamin Kletzker is a, is a huge Tamil Chacham. So they want to hear uh, why Rabbi Yamin's interrupting their learning over here. He obviously has something important to say. And Rabbi Yamin Kletzker said, like this, I did not speak with the Malamed Rebbe Eliezer Moshe. However, I can confidently say that he didn't mean his statement in the literal sense. The way you are all understanding it that's creating you to all get all mad. I believe he meant it as a marshal. And I happen to agree with him. He was absolutely correct in his statement. And oh boy, did all, all the misnagdim sitting there were like ready to jump up and start yelling and screaming. But, but like, they were waiting for him to finish because they knew that he was a huge tamachacham, you're a shemayim, and also a huge businessman, very rich. Right? Rebbe Yaman continues. He said, if we were not, we, we are not allowed to eat from the fruit of a tree for the first three years. Those fruits are called Arla. Arelim. However, the fruits of the fourth year are praised. And what do you do with them if you live in Eretz Yisrael, in times of the base of Mikdash? You would have to take them to Yerushalayim and eat them over there. However, the fruits that grow after the fourth year, 
That could be eaten wherever you want. So he said like this, based on this din that you're not allowed to eat the first three years, that this is what Rabbi Eliezer Moshe meant. That our arelim, meaning, what's arelim? It's referring to the Hasidim who are extremely knowledgeable in Torah, many of whom are your former closest friends that you have over here, like the Pinchas Rezis, and who chose to came to the Rebbe for guidance on how to improve their Avaidah, Avaidah Sashem, their way of learning, and become his Hasidim. However, even after growing under the Rebbe's guidance for two years and making huge progress, they feel that their work, their, their, their work to self-improve themselves, that it's not enough. They're not, they don't show off. They feel that they're still very incomplete and there's a lot of room for improvement and, and to become a much better Yid in the Yarvite Hashem. These are the Arelim that he was referring to. They are much better than a guy who feels that he's a Gadol and I reach the highest level I could reach. And there's no room for improvement to get to a higher level. So hearing this explanation and clarification, it, uh, it cleared up a lot of the tension that that was caused. At the same time, everyone realized that the, the simple Hasidish Malamid was not as simple as everyone thought he was. Uh, he was just extremely humble. And by him... When he sees someone acting in such a, a gaivadika way, he couldn't take it. So he said this statement. And all the parents who removed their children from his class, they immediately apologized, they bring their kids back. And even more than that, other parents who desire to have such a, a guy like this, they want, they want a guy like this to be their kid's teacher. So not only did he end up with less students, at the end he ended up with a lot more students. So... We'll do one more story. As noted, Rebbe Yamin inspired Rebbe Zalman Zezmer to become a chassid. And Rebbe Zalman Zezmer's interest in chassidus grew, and he desired to understand it more clearly. And Rebbe Yamin started to learn Lekut Yamorim Tanya with him. So in the first parak, Alter Rebbe discusses the level of a tzaddik. And Rebbe Yamin gave the following explanation. He said, a tzaddik is limited. A chassid is higher than limitations. And a rebbe is higher than the entire concept of limitations to begin with. So, this is what that means, basically. A tzaddik is someone who keeps Shulchan Aruch in every single detail. He never did a single Avera. He conquered his Yetzirah. And yet, his Avoidah in Hashem is limited. He follows exactly what the Shulchan Aruch says. For example, he doesn't only give a tenth of his money to Tzedakah. He gives the maximum amount. What's the maximum? 20%. That's twice the amount of Miser. Right, one-fifth of everything you own. Right, for every hundred dollars you give 20 to tzedakah. And he keeps that halacha very well. A chassid also follows Shulchan Aruch. Yet when it comes to tzedakah, for example, he feels 
and he recognizes that the guideline of not giving more than a fifth, right? The Chum said you shouldn't give more than a fifth, applies only if a guy's making a decent living. However, meaning an average living. However, if he finds himself in a situation where Hashem gave him a lot more than he needs for his personal use, so he realizes that this extra money was given to him to help other people. So he gives him a lot more than a fifth. Same thing. He will eat in a sukkah even though it's raining. And it says in Shulchan Aruch that he's potter. Not just that he's potter, but if he does, he's called a hediot. A simpleton if he eats in the sukkah if it's raining. Why? Because he has a desire to be with Hashem even in the bad weather. A Rebbe goes higher than just going beyond limitations. Because once he achieved this, that higher level, then already it's not like he has to work hard on it. That becomes normal for him. Now, of course, he isn't satisfied with what's just normal. He is also constantly striving to go higher and higher and to go higher in limitations. 